What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If you will place your left hand on the Bible and raise your right hand, and please repeat after me, I do solemnly swear. We, the jury in the above entitled action, find the defendant guilty of the crime. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. We all took the same oath of office. We are all bound by that common commitment to support and defend the Constitution, to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and to faithfully discharge the duties of our office. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? From Tenderfoot TV and iHeartRadio, this is Sworn. I'm your host, Philip Holloway. I was there with his former paralegal, Caitlin, and our good friend, Pat, and we sat there from start to finish. So I kind of always say that I felt, I felt like I was in church. I don't know how else to describe that. Like I felt like I was at church and all of a sudden I was overcome by a power bigger than me. Again, we had been dealing with this for a number of years and you know what happens in the office impacts us and our family life as well. And so we were there, her family was there. It was very emotionally heavy and draining and exhausting and long for everybody that took the stand that day. There were people on both sides of the aisle that had very particular feelings and were very vested in the outcome of this case. I just believe that she hadn't done this. I believe that there was evidence to prove that she hadn't done this. And when the judge came on the bench, it was like I was overcome. I don't know. I mean, we started crying and we just, I could not get myself together. Like I felt, it was just, it was the highest emotion that I, and then the lowest, you know, you're kind of just going up and down. It was, it was unbelievable. Welcome back to part three of our case study series. This is the final episode following the case of a woman accused of the murder of her husband. 
In parts one and two, we told you what happened the night her husband died, how your regular sworn host, Phil, designed her defense, and the impossible risks and decisions that led her to enter a plea for a crime she didn't commit. Today, as Phil's wife Natalie mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we'll look at the shocking sentencing hearing in this case. After hearing from all of the expert testimony, the judge sent down a ruling that no one, not even Phil, saw coming. The judge didn't waste a lot of time after we put up hours and hours of testimony and argument. He came back pretty quickly, and he may have ruled from the bench, I think. He said, well, something like, I think she's innocent, so I'm just going to give her straight probation. I just remember, holy did I hear him right? Did he just say he's going to give her straight probation because he thinks she's innocent? And yeah, that's what he said. He decided he was going to get up, give the clerk of court some time to get the paperwork together for sentencing, and it was quite a moment. Her little girl came up to me and gave me a hug and said, thank you for saving my mom. <laughs> and if you think I'm emotional now, you should have seen me that day. It's incredible. That sweet girl, I'll never forget her. And I had a little girl of my own at home, and she just reminded me so much of my child. <laughs> but the judge came back on the bench and the paperwork done, and and that was that, and we were, we were just kind of all shocked and stunned, but very much happy. After that, she was able to start picking the pieces of her life back up and become a mom again, being a, a citizen and a parent and an employee, and now just a hardworking lady. Had you guys expected her to go to jail that day? Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. I don't think I told her then. I may have told her since, but I was fully expecting her to leave that courtroom in a waist chain, handcuffs, and leg irons. I wasn't expecting her to walk out the front door. Just on a basic level, you know, you plead guilty to manslaughter, you're going to have to go to prison. That's kind of the default setting. I tried to find out in Georgia if there'd ever been anybody that got probation straight probation for manslaughter, I couldn't find any, at least not in recent history. My research at the time, the average sentence was like 14 or 15 years for manslaughter. Maybe it was 18, actually. I think it was 18 at the time. The average sentence is, you know, a lot of years in prison for manslaughter, voluntary manslaughter anyway. So straight probation was... That's what, you know, we asked for it. We asked for 15 years. If I'd have thought the judge was going to believe she was innocent, that we were going to do that good of a job, I would have maybe asked for less. But I, I wrote in my written sentencing memorandum, my, my recommendation was 15 years on probation. I, I, I kind of pulled that number out of thin air. I, I didn't want to ask for too little time and be insulting. I didn't want to say, judge, yes, yeah, she's pleading to voluntary manslaughter, even though it's an Alfred plea, she's pleading to voluntary manslaughter. We want you to give her a slap on the wrist and give her two years on probation. I didn't want that. I wanted to give him something that he wasn't going to laugh about. And he said, well, I think she's innocent, so I'm going to give her 15 years on probation. I was like, holy crap. I should have asked for five or something like that. Hindsight's always 2020. And in the end, two or three years out, we, we did go back and we, we asked for early termination of probation and the motion was granted, so all's well that ends well, I guess. Unfortunately, she's a convicted felon, and she has all the baggage that goes along with that. But she's not on probation, and as I recall, 
the people at probation, the, the probation officers in the probation department, they couldn't believe it. They're like, no, she's, she can't possibly be here for manslaughter. Nobody's ever here for manslaughter. This is probation. We're not the prison. So they, they were like, there must be a mistake with your paperwork. And no, there was no mistake. Her initial probation officer, I think he's retired now, but he and I talked about this case in the weeks or months afterwards and even the years afterwards. And they didn't even make her really report to probation because they knew she was innocent too. They made some discretionary calls that they're entitled to make. They're, they said, well, yeah, she's on probation, but we, you know, she's paying her monthly supervision fees. We're not going to be going and visiting her at home. We're not going to make her come in and report to us. They, have, they essentially had her own non-reporting probation because I think they knew she was innocent too. I mean, everybody who looked at this case beyond scratching the surface, if they dug down just a little bit, they would see there would be no question that she's innocent. We just did what we had to do. We just stuck it out. This case dragged on for years, and it dragged me down. It dragged me down emotionally. It dragged me down mentally, physically. I was just tired, you know, and it, it, but we, you have to stick it out. We fortunately were able to find the right experts. We had some resources. I think her, her father, uh, God bless him, I think he drained his retirement savings. I think he had a sport airplane that he liked to fly. He was a retiree from the FAA. I think he sold his, his airplane. That was his, his love, that he was going to spend his retirement years flying planes around. And as a pilot myself, I hated to see him have to sell something that he thought he was going to enjoy in retirement. Quite frankly, she was the one that was extraordinary. I don't know how she held up. Her family was extraordinary in the sacrifices they made. It's, it was extraordinary what they did. This is Phil's former paralegal, Caitlin. She sat with Natalie at the sentencing hearing and couldn't believe this case she had worked on for years was going to end with the client walking out the front doors. We were still really gambling with the sentence because it was a wide range. It was like no time to 15, if I believe correctly. I was worried that the judge might meet in the middle. I think that that was her best option. And I think, you know, after that many years, you're just kind of worn down and you want your life back and you want it to be over and you want to be able to travel to see your family. She was worn down and I think I would feel the same way. And I would have gone through it. And I mean, I still, to this day, I haven't worked for Phil in probably six or seven years. If he tells me something, I go that I believe him. He knows what he's talking about. So I think that if he told me to do it, I would do it. The sentencing hearing was unlike anything I probably will ever experience in my life. I remember after it was over telling Phil's wife that it was the happiest I'd ever been in my life and it had absolutely nothing to do with me. And that blew my mind. The sentencing hearing was very emotional. Her children read victim impact statements. They would be hard to hear from anyone, but much less 10-year-old children. I remember the judge said he wished that it could have been tried so that he could find her not guilty. The entire room was crying at points. And when the judge sentenced her to complete probation, I mean, everyone cheered, everyone cried. It, it was a very beautiful thing when the sentencing hearing was over. I don't remember exactly what her kids were saying. I just know that they were supporting her. I just remember that they were 
all in support of their mom, just crying that they need their mom. You know, they lost their dad and they need their mom. I remember she was just so nervous. She asked if I could sit with her at the table, but that's not a, a place for me. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive Budget Beach Finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Generations Riviera Maya Resort and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Here's Phil's client. When I spoke with her about entering the Alford plea, even years later, she was calm and resigned. Honestly, I was expecting to hear about how emotional and difficult it was to plead to the crime of killing her husband, a crime she didn't commit. But sitting with me and her children in Phil's office, when we got to the subject of the plea, she wasn't emotional at all. She was straightforward and sort of stoic. I actually wrote a letter myself to the judge. We we weren't able to use it because there was some wording about not really wanting to take a plea, I think, that I was not able to use it. But I did want to write my own letter. The judge asked me if I was sure that I really wanted to do it. And I was like, yeah, you know, because I mean, I felt like there was no other way to get home. And then they did the sentencing and he gave me probation. The whole thing was surprising. So the fact that I got to go home and be with my family, how weird is that 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 would be surprising to me? And surprising isn't even the right word. Like, if you don't live through it, you wouldn't even believe it. I mean, I was, I was relieved. And I remember <laughs> that I wanted the ankle monitor off, but they had to, my kids and my dad and everyone was at the hotel. 
I didn't have to have the alarm on the ankle monitor anymore, but it was still physically on me. So we went to the hotel and I got to stay with the kids and that was nice and we had dinner. They came early in the morning and they took off the ankle monitor in the the, the foyer drop-off of the hotel and uh, we went swimming. I don't harbor any illusions. There's a lot of guilty people that, you know, we represent. But it's the innocent ones. Once we figure out that they really are innocent, those are the ones that are challenging. I've told people before, and I'll say it now, it's a hell of a lot easier to represent somebody who's guilty than it is to represent someone who's innocent because it's the innocent ones that they keep you awake at night. And that's definitely what happened in this case for years. This was a traumatic case on everybody. And just thinking about it brings back a lot of thoughts and feelings that I haven't felt in a while. You know, I lived with this for years. And not only do I think she's a a nice person, I think she wouldn't hurt a flea. I was witness to a tragedy of epic proportions for this family. Regardless of guilt or innocence, you know, a husband and a father was dead. And I'm having to sort through autopsy pictures and look at them like it's a Time magazine putting emotions to the side to try to be objective with it. And now I've got the luxury of, you know, looking at it as a human. But for years, I had to look at it and and push all these natural emotions to the side. There's just so much that I think a person can take when you talk about this tragedy, this gore, this human suffering and misery. And you just can't, you can't look at it objectively forever. It took its toll, and it still does in a way. During that time period, I mean, lots of things happened. You know, I had small children that I was trying to be a father to. I was trying to be a a spouse. I'm trying to go home at the end of the day and not think about all this stuff. You know, it's not healthy. It's not good to take your work home with you. But when somebody's trusting you with their life, and their kids are trusting you with their mom's life. It gets to you. And it's the kind of stuff that keeps me awake at night. Let's say my, you know, I've got somebody who, let's just say they're really guilty and maybe the state can't prove it. And I know that. I'm not trying to be obtuse about it, but I'm, I don't lose a lot of sleep over those types of cases. But it's the it's the innocent people that get wrapped up in this system that cause me to lose sleep at night. The pressure's really on. And frankly, the fact that there are innocent ones that need me is troubling enough. But when they actually are looking to me to save them and their kids are looking at me to save them and they've got nobody else, it's a lot of pressure. And it's a pretty lonely place. This case has changed the way that I look at the system because it's given me some hope that you work hard you might can get to something close to justice. I mean, I've won jury trials on murder cases where I thought the person was guilty. All these years later, I can look back on several things and I can say, well, I've lost cases that I I should have won. I've won cases I should have lost. The bottom line is I never know what the hell a jury's gonna do. So what this has done is, is sort of given me some inspiration, if you will, to know that there may be other ways to get to the same result. We went around a jury because maybe I didn't trust a jury in this case. We got a really good result from the judge in terms of sentencing. And then we later got that 
probation, terminated. If we go back in a few more years and maybe apply for a pardon, who knows what we're going to do. But the bottom line is that we got 95% of what we needed in this case, which was a free client, a free mom, a free human being who's innocent. We, we, we kept her free. That's 95% of everything we need. She's not on long-term probation. That's a bonus. So we got most of what we needed through maybe the side door without having to risk the mandatory sentencing of a murder conviction. I went and I met with my probation officer. Like, they have like a, oh, what do they call it? It was like something funny, like orientation. And then that's how I found out that they had actually changed my probation officer, but they didn't tell me. So the first guy was like annoyed with me because I kept calling and checking in like I was supposed to. And then he told me to stop calling him and that if he if he needed me, he'd call me. And then they filed the paperwork. And within a certain amount of time after that, I think it was actually April Fool's because I remember thinking, please don't let this be a joke. And um, then I was officially on non-reporting. And then all I had to do was pay the, um, I think it was like $35 a month probation fee. Then we had, we went back towards, um, back to court to have the early termination of probation. And it was granted to me. I mean, don't think that, like, it's so weird to say that I, like, don't think I don't know how lucky I am. Because I do know, in light of the situation, that I'm fortunate. I've read so many stories of people so much less fortunate in the outcome than my story. As far as the legal parts of it go. I think I've been incredibly lucky in that department. But then at the same time, I never should have been in the system in the first place. So then there's that's like mixed with, it's like gratefulness tinged with bitterness and resentment. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have been here in the first place, but given the fact that it could have gone worse, I guess I'm grateful. I think it's a really s scary system. I think that there are, there are people in tremendous positions of power making judgments about things that I don't know that are always easy easy to pass judgment on. In my own house, if I have one donut left and I come into my house and I'm like, where's my last donut? I have a house full of kids that are like, wasn't me, I didn't eat your donut. I may never find out who ate my donut, but I can't just go up and point to that one and be like, you ate my donut. I know you ate my donut. And he might or might not have been the one that ate my donut. I can't make a decision of who to be mad at if I just don't know. You can't do that in your own home. So I don't feel like you should be able to do that with society. They've got to take a step back and like take information and look at it. And before, because they can't undo what has happened here. And they can't undo the people that you see in the Georgia Innocence Project and stuff like that that have spent 15 years on death row. You cannot undo that. And you can't undo, on the other side of the spectrum, you know, somebody who has suffered a loss. I mean, I actually have people that I'm close to that are, are victims of violent crimes. One person in particular, it has never been solved. There's never been any kind of closure in that department for that person. 
you know, you think about that, like the world is, it's, it's, it's just not that black and white. And I mean, this could happen to anybody. It really could. It's all subject to somebody's, you know, perception of how they think things happen. I don't trust my perception all the time of knowing what happened. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. Stop these things before they happen, before families get torn apart. And I go to interviews, I go to job interviews, and I have to say, you know, I feel like I need to be forthcoming. I do have a felony on my record, and people are just like, oh, really? And then they want to hear the story, but they're going to have their own judgments. And that's the other thing is, I don't want my family's tragedy to be fodder for other people's entertainment. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons I don't really want to use my name is because I don't want to exploit, like, so it was very painful for us. Incredibly painful. And for me, on top of the pain, horrifying. Do you know what it's like to see a person sitting in a pool of blood? Then take that person and make it the love of your life and the father of your children? Like, you don't know that. I hope to God no one ever knows that. That horror. I think that's why your brain can't wrap your wrap around it, is because your brain can't, like, there's no way your brain can handle that. But when I do go to interviews for to find better jobs, which I, I, I haven't been able to to do, I always have to work the that tier that you know, of, of jobs that doesn't require background checks. And that's that's a tough way to make a living. You know, there are certain things that are op- options that are off the table for you. I wouldn't even want to go back to school because what if I went back to school and I got a degree in something and they still wouldn't hire me, that I'm just in debt. So you just kind of keep plugging, plugging away and just trying to get these, these kids on their feet. I mean, I and I and I don't make enough money now, and there was so much money spent on the legal expenses. I can't send any of my kids to college. Thankfully, they wanted to come home to me because you know they could have stayed in Cape Cod and you know probably had a better financial upbringing than I've been able to offer them. I'm so glad that that they're home. <laughs> Did you think about staying in Massachusetts? No. I mean, of course I loved it, but that was the goal, you know? We never really got to deal with the loss because we were in survival mode. I am frozen in time. I go back and revisit things all the time. I was talking about their dad in the car on the way here. And I can sit here and I can talk into the microphone and I can talk to my family, I can talk to the the wind, and it doesn't change it. I'm absolutely stuck. Wouldn't you say that I'm stuck somehow? It's in your home. I mean, you see him in your kids. Yeah, I do. (laughs) I see him in my kids. And I mean, you loved him. You think about him in the music, everything, you know? In this place. Everything is eerily the same. Like, we'll be in the car and I'll be like, oh, your dad liked this song. Or, let me tell you, and like, I feel like I sometimes I want to just stick a sock in my mouth because I feel like I bring it up too much. Not the, not the legal stuff, but like, I still, 
talk about their father. I feel like every conversation starts off one way, but it always comes back around to somehow back to that night or back to their father. He's still alive in in our house. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's healthy, but I keep him. I keep him alive. A human being and he loved him, you know? I don't think it's negative to think about him. And I mean, you can't help it. I can't help it. Yeah. You you can't though. Yeah. You know, because if you're thinking about it, you can either say it or conceal it. Yeah. So yeah, I see it. That's true. On my Christmas tree, I have Christmas ornaments that belonged to my husband when he was a little boy. It'll be there someday. He'll take it with him, and but I keep I keep them. We just we went through a lot together, not just you know how it all ended. That's the funny thing about about marriage. It's not just the good times, but when you are married, you go through life together. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. At the end of a lot of our episodes, we have a segment that we here at the production team call Phil's Final Thoughts. But for years, Phil's client was silenced, her voice taken away and run over by all these problems and assumptions and hoops in the legal system. So we wanted to give her the final thoughts today. It's not going to make up for the years of confusion and silence, but I know from talking with her that she learned a lot about the realities of the justice system. 
And hopefully, sharing this story helps shed some light on how we as a society think about justice and how important it is to be able to defend yourself. My friend, who's actually the crime victim, felt like it would be cathartic for me to talk about it because I don't like to talk about it. And to have that little piece of my voice heard that I was never really allowed to use. And it's, and it's like I'm trying to find balance in, in, in having my voice heard, but also protecting my family. So I do want the anonymity, but I also want my voice heard, which is really selfish of me, but <laughs> I want both of those things. I don't want to be angry. It's a lot easier to be angry than it is to be vulnerable. I want to heal. I want to heal for them, and I want to heal for me. I don't want to be locked in the past. I want to free myself from this like bubble of sadness that I live in for most of my life. And, and I hope that there's someone out there that if they're going through this and they feel completely alone and that nobody understands and they're feeling helpless and they don't have a voice and they're looking for somebody that, that they can relate to, I would like to be that person for them because I didn't have that for me. I mean, I, I don't know how you protect yourself from it. You know, I would have, there's nothing I would have done differently. I still would have tried to take a gun away from my husband. I still would have called 911. And I still would have done all those things that night, like, would not have changed. Hopefully, somebody somewhere is looking at this in depth enough that they're going to make some changes. And I do think that it needs, I do think there's problems with the judicial system, but I think it has to start with how the police interpret situations. I think it has to start there because that's once that ball gets rolling, I don't know that they can stop it. It's, you know, the momentum just keeps growing and growing and growing. And I think everybody gets fired up and everyone wants to win. And I don't think that they think about us as people. I think we're like pawns in a game because I actually had a friend when this was all happening and I'm sitting there in my ankle monitor and we were watching the news and they had arrested this guy on the news and my friend said, oh, well, they got the guy. And I said, well, we don't know that yet. We have to see how this plays out. And she said, well, he obviously did something or they wouldn't have arrested him. So I know that a lot of people watch the news and they hear these stories and they just are like, well, something had to have happened or none of this would have happened. And I'm telling you that yes, something happened, but not what you think happened. If, you know, the police wouldn't arrest you if something hadn't happened. And it's, it's not necessarily true. Like when I watch the news, like I'm a human being and sometimes I watch it and I make decisions where I'm like, oh, that person did this or that. And then I have to go, wait a minute. I don't really know that yet. You know, and you got to let things play out. You can't just make these decisions of if this happened, then that must have happened. But you you just don't know. But I do know that a lot of people make that assumption. And I do know that when people hear about my story, there are going to be people that are going to make the assumption, well, you know, none of this would have happened had XYZ happened. And, and I know that. And it's, and it's the reality that I live in. But the only people that it really matters to me that believe in me are, are my family. Prior to this happening, if I were to sit there on a jury, which I never had jury duty, and I were to see 
a defendant getting paraded in, in shackles and jail uniform. And I was basically told that they had committed a crime. I don't know that I would be as objective as I am today. That I would be able to sit back and say, well, give me the, give me the facts first. That I would be able to, to, to not just assume. It's so easy to sit down in your comfortable chair in your living room and watch the news and think that you are untouchable. And like these things happen because other people bring these things upon themselves. You know, and it's so easy to do that and then get called to jury and then like have somebody parade in front of you and think, well, you know, that would never happen to me. Something, you know, else might have must have happened. It's just not like that. And if you take the time to read any of these stories, I searched and searched and read countless, countless, countless stories of all these different people who were falsely accused. I mean, like, almost to the point of, like, fraudulent testimony. Like, not because they felt like it was justice, but just to get these convictions, I'm guessing to get the public off their back. And then it turns out 20 years later, the DNA exonerates these people. You know, we should be afraid as citizens because it's a tremendous amount of power to give to these people. It sounds really good when you're sitting in your chair, but if those tables ever get turned on you, you're screwed. Thanks for joining us on this case study. I again just want to take a minute to say thank you to Phil's client and her family for sharing this story with us. As Caitlin said, they aren't people I'm likely to forget. If you have any questions or comments on anything you've heard so far this season, give us a call at 404-410-0441. Thanks for listening. Sworn is a production of Tenderfoot TV and iHeartRadio. Our lead producer is Christina Dana. Executive producers are Payne Lindsay and Donald Albright for Tenderfoot TV, Matt Frederick and Alex Williams for iHeartRadio, and myself, Philip Holloway. Additional production by Trevor Young, Mason Lindsay, Mike Rooney, Jamie Albright, and Hallie Beadall. Original music and sound design by Makeup and Vanity Set. Our theme song is Blood in the Water by Layup. Show art and design is by Trevor Eiler. Editing by Christina Dana. Mixing and mastering by Mike Rooney and Cooper Skinner. Special thanks to the team at iHeartRadio. From UTA, Oren Rosenbaum and Grace Royer. Ryan Nord and Matthew Papa from The Nord Group. Beck Media and Marketing and Station 16. I'd also like to extend a very personal and special thanks to all of our contributors and guests who have helped to make all of these episodes possible. You can find Sworn on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sworn Podcast. And follow me, your host, Philip Holloway, on Twitter at PhilHollowayESQ. Our website is SwornPodcast.com, and you can check out other Tenderfoot TV podcasts at www.tenderfoot.tv If you have questions or comments, you can email us at sworn at tenderfoot.tv or leave us a voicemail at 404-410-0441 As always, thanks for listening. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, Cheap Caribbean Vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Ocean by H10 Hotels and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.